This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? dramatic or like sort of understated or what this is a land that prays for a hero the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival you are listening to greening the apocalypse on triple r102.7 fm <laughs> hello <laughs> Welcome Pregnant pause. to this week's edition of Greening the Apocalypse. It's our last one for season 2017. Uh, we've made it through another year uh, collectively as, as a species and a planet, but also <laughs> as a team. Um, and we might chat a bit about that uh, later on tonight. My name is Bushy. Full team is in the studio. Adam Grubb, hello. How do you do? Sarah Coles, hello. Don't tell me what to do. I won't. Just arrived on the e-bike of, uh, of Magnificence, Katie Dundas. Hello. Hello. Yes, I made it. Because you had the battery <laughs> advantage. Do you know, I had to go on some really fancy e-bikes today and it was just amazing. They are the best fun. Mm. Has it ruined you for yours? Well, I don't know if the cost outweighs the yeah, plush, yeah. smooth yeah. ride. <laughs> Oh, man, we can talk about that sometimes. So there's this one in Canada where you can ha- there's a little bracket on the back for mounting a chainsaw. It's for trail building right up in the mountains. And I look at that and think, that's boss as. <laughs> Seriously. But I can never go near one because if I find that mine's no longer satisfactory, what am I going to do? Spend five grand on a Canadian one. No. Hello, Jed McCartney. Hello. Hello. How are you all? Good. Um, we were in a fluster before, but it's all sorted because you are the panel beater. Yes, I think I need a beating after that. No, that's not how we roll around here. Hey, um, it is the last uh, our last show for 2017. What are we going to talk about, Adam? Let's, what are we doing? Well, we thought we'd get a bit meta. It's been a while since the five of us sat down and had a show meeting, and it's really hard to get us all in the one room together. So, and there, are, you know, and let's be frank, there's a few um, gentle tensions amongst the team, and <laughs> what. What a time! What a what a beautiful time to air them, but on air, share them with everybody. Yeah, um, I'm not. Yeah, I, ho- I hope that didn't see it as being too um, conflict. But let's agree to keep things um, pleasant. Yeah, non-violent. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. Oh god, I, I may, I'm looking around. I made. I think I may have made you worried. I nah. think we're there's also a lot of love, which is why we can um, push through these things. Yeah. But in order to get there, I feel so. I was going to say, I feel like there's people listening right now, thinking, "Oh fuck, they're breaking up. This is the last show. They haven't told us, but we're not." <laughs> That's not what's happening. No. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, Adam. That wasn't a, that wasn't a convincing no there. Are you staying with us? <laughs> well, I, you know, actually earlier in the year I was wondering, because it takes a lot of time to put this show together and I'm um, wondering if I would want to keep doing it next year, but I'm feeling the vibe now. Mm. Yeah. You guys? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's a good starting point. It's worth having a conversation then. But in order to get <laughs> to why this might be relevant to anybody. We weren't going to spend the whole show having a meeting at all, but we thought we would have a conversation about why learning to have meetings and organise ourselves as groups in a cohesive and effective manner might be something of relevance to the topics of our show. And we've had Shiona Candy on recently talking about the kind of scenarios that 
would need to happen if we were to draw down carbon from the atmosphere and reduce our CO2 emissions at the same time and do it in such a way that we don't live in post-apocalyptic type societies but live in rather pleasant ones. And one of her scenarios, scenarios she called the commons transition, which was one where there'd be a lot of sharing of resources, mm. kind of a lot more local production of food and other consumables and... Those are the kind of things where we have to learn to be able to communicate and organise effectively. That, like, surviving as a planet requires us to develop these skills. And yet, given the fact that we, you know, in school, you're, there's group work, but largely, you know, you're doing what you're told. And um, so you, know, you can easily transition to that into a workplace where it's pretty command and control and fairly hierarchical that we don't necessarily have the skills for working that effectively in groups together. I've done... And, and self-initiating things. Yeah, and just exactly, and yeah. creating our own projects. Because you see the people who are out there doing things in the community, there's not many of them. They're yeah. all the same, and they often get tired yeah. because they're always the ones putting in the effort and rallying people along and doing the organisation. So we all need to get much better at it. Mm. Yeah, totally. Well, you, and you, you've got lots of experience. Yeah. And... Sarah, you've just been living in an eco-village <laughs> for three days. <laughs> so, you know, you've got some stripes. Um, but I feel like we've all got a lot of stuff to bring to the table to talk about generally what are good things mm. in for organising, what are some of the principles and tactics and things. And so that could be a really good place to start, do you think? Yes. Well, or even there's two ways that working in groups can go. Yeah. Or just humans acting together. Mm. And one of them we're pretty familiar with, which is collective stupidity. Like, be it um, mob mentality on the one hand, where everyone's just doing the one thing mm. fairly unthinkingly, or totally discordant, fighting against each other and not getting anything done and getting bogged down in petty differences on the other. Mm. What we want to achieve is group intelligence. Do you guys feel like you've been involved in circumstances where that flourished where you were working with a group of people and it drew on people's strengths and the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you go first, Katie. Because <laughs> I think this, yeah. is, this, is, oh, this would, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're working urban planning. I work in groups every day, all yeah. the time and lots of different situations and I've been become more interested in how group dynamics are successful because I've been in a couple of teams that haven't functioned particularly well and had mm. to think about how to make them function well. Mm. Um, and also through 3,000 Acres work, we've learned a lot about um, how communities work well together. And there's lots of dysfunctional community gardens out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and lessons to be learned about um, how to give people the tools to make them good at working on their own. And it's actually, it takes a lot of groundwork and it mm. takes a lot of... Um, I think for me, the one thing that I've learned recently is it's trying to be as open and honest about your expectations and about communicating with each other. Mm. People are terrible at communicating. People assume that other people think something yeah. and they don't often. Yeah. So the number one thing that I have learned is to be open and honest with communication and to give people feedback immediately mm. and to engender a culture of feedback where you can so that you know what's expected of each other and it, you're not scared to um, to say what might be done better. When you've witnessed group uh, group structures failing, um, 
is that where it begins with community, or is it is it ego from the top down or from the bottom up? Or power struggles? I think all those power struggles come from communication as mm-hmm. well and lack of it, and um, uh, assuming that you're in a role that you might not be in. You just think that you're in that role, and just not yet. For me, just think I've been thinking about it a lot recently, and I really think we need to get better at just talking to each other. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. It takes. Oh, you go. Uh, one of the biggest things I've found, though, is we all think everyone else likes to be communicated with like we do. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I remember years ago we did an exercise where they gave us one of those psych tests, Myers Briggs or something, and I had this lightning flash because I, it was when I was working for an airline that doesn't exist anymore, and there were all these senior managers, and no one would speak. And then when we did this test, we worked out, well, most of them were engineers who are typically introverted, so these guys wanted to listen to what other people had to say. They want to go away and think about it. Mm. And if you talk to them the next day, boah, off they went. But in the meeting, they would say nothing. Mm. So you had to start thinking about... Yeah. Kate well, wants to be open and honest. That's not what I like. Yeah. But I'm going to let her be open and honest, but I'm not mm. going to say anything because I don't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's or, or fine whatever, as, long as, you you, yes, as long as you understand that. And that's what I mean by about putting mm. in the groundwork because you mm. have to understand how to be empathetic with other people and how to communicate with them well and to understand. Well, I guess, Adam, we learned stuff with doing the holistic management to make sure that everybody's actually going in the same direction. Mm. So all of that groundwork at the beginning to make sure you're all on the same path, you have the same commitments with time, you have the same... Goals and you understand how each other likes to talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. All of that beginning stuff yeah. really helps. There's two. Yeah, there's three big things there, isn't it? So there was having uh, clearly stated goals, which we've actually been through a process, um, and we haven't revisited it in over a year. Like, but mm. for for this show, some yep. really clear goals, and we've broken it down into subcategories and categories. And that's probably too, that's probably oversharing to do that. But I f- I feel like that's that yeah. has just killed the magic of radio right there. <laughs> There is no spontaneity. <laughs> Even that joke no, just that, sends written down in front yeah, yeah. of me. No, that's one of our things. That's one of our goals, spontaneity. Yes. <laughs> right there, good. Um, but there, and then there was the, yeah, being aware of people's differences and that was certainly something that's come up. Um, that's something, yeah, of relevance to us as well, I reckon, that there's quite different styles and they can be complementary and they can um, not always be but generally are. Mm. We can talk about that later. And... Um, what was the other one? The uh, open and honest feedback. That's something I've felt. I've found in my personal experience, there are people that I can do that with, but it's taken a lot of groundwork to get to know them and for them to know me and to know that being able to say something um, abruptly and directly, you know, couched in tactful terms, doesn't mean that we dislike each other. Mm. And being able to get into a bouncing relationship with my business partner, Dan, on that, where we can be pretty direct with each other, has allowed me to really grow, especially as a teacher, Mm. um, because we give each other really immediate feedback. And there's just, if I didn't have that relationship, um, yeah, there's no way I would be as capable as I am. Feedback doesn't work, sorry. Feedback doesn't work without having that relationship. That's right. You can't give somebody feedback that you don't. Otherwise, it's offence. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Colsey's sitting here, she's taking this all in, <laughs> and she's thinking... Well, Colsey, the very first... Me- when we, with this, okay, so um, this show has just finished its third full year, and you and me and Adam were at the very first powwow to have a chat about how we would do it and why we would do it and all those sorts of thought farts and things like that. 
And I, I know that because um, Adam confessed to me not long after that he walked away from that meeting last night and he thought, how the fuck <laughs> am I going to work with this loudmouth fucking bogan guy? You no, know? that wasn't it. I've just had some experience um, working with people that are off-the-cuff, oversharing, um, tangential people yeah. Yeah. who I love as friends yeah. <laughs> and struggle to work with as um, in the I, I can tell you a beautiful story about this um, it, with regards to my business how we've overcome that kind of dynamic hmm. yeah but I, I I was like oh no because hmm. Bushy's Bushy's one of those <laughs> okay, we're gonna the meetings are gonna be tricky indeed well Colsey but you're at that very first meeting and I, I mean I'd never really done a lot of that level of planning and stuff Prior to this, you know, I didn't. I've leapt into most things. What was your thoughts on that meeting? You know, I mean, you'd known. So, bringing context to that, you you'd known Adam for a number of years, and, and very much, I, I think Adam directed that meeting very well because he had experience in doing such things, holistic planning. Your thoughts on that night? Um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I can't remember. <laughs> Far out. So it was either I very dull. Nice of an impression. So the I, think the I, was, I think yeah. I was quietly optimistic. Mm. I think I was more probably, I can't remember, but I was probably struggling with the fact that I was about to try and do a radio show with my best friend. Mm. So that was probably what was at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, I was concerned about that too because we um, had never worked together on anything and the idea that we would be doing something creative and might put our friendship at risk. Mm. Yeah, I remember that feeling Was that the concern for you, Colsey, that just the risk idea that after all these years of being buddies this could potentially open up shit that might not have been realised. Yep. Yep. But I would say, and I hope you agree but I rem- that... I remember that I identified with your personality. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we hit it off really than, quickly, hey. Because and... I'm tangential and mm. yeah. bogan as well. <laughs> and a Caius fan. I think, Caius, I, think, yeah. I think it all began with Caius. I think Adam kind of thought, oh, they both like Caius. Let's throw that in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we went from there. Yeah, cool. But we had independently come up with very similar ideas for what the show would be and that gave me a lot of hope. Mm. And we'd known each other just a tiny bit, hadn't we, Bushy? But, yeah. Um, and interestingly, you reposted recently the Facebook status update that you did when we got a summer fill. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Because this is interesting because we're talking about group dynamics and communication and how we might save our collective skins through learning to communicate and talk better. Okay, Um but three years ago, I had put a thing on Facebook that said, I can confirm that myself and the wonderful Adam Grubb and a band of merry folk have a four-week summer fill on Triple R locked in. It'll be a humorous show about permaculture, horticulture, do-it-yourself, um, low-tech community building, the revival of old skills and new forms and such. It will talk about some of the larger challenges facing the species and the species around us, like climate change, peak oil, economic instability and resource depletion. It will seek to view these things from a solutions resilience perspective. And then I went on with some other rambling. Oh, the show is to be called Greening the Apocalypse. You didn't spell it right in the first iteration. It took me a but couple of goes that, to learn that. That was um, had a mental block. remarkably <laughs> accurate, like to what I think we've done and so. still hope to achieve. Katie, you weren't at that Did first meeting, but we brought you in very quickly after your first spot as a guest. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And how did you find that? Because you're jumping into something that we've kind of established, but there's kind of open. And what were your thoughts coming into it? Coming into it? Mm. I was just, when I was a guest, I was like, oh, I hope you like me. <laughs> and I, I hope I can keep doing this. Yeah. But I just really didn't overthink it too much. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. It can be a good strategy. Which is... Uh, 
you know, I my strategy you, for the show. You were also an expected <laughs> mother at the time, so I think you had bigger things in your mind than whether or not Team Dynamics and the radio <laughs> crew was going <laughs> to cause shit. Yeah. Yes. That, that was three was, years ago, wasn't yeah. it? Was I think also, wasn't there somebody else doing it at the start? Mm. If we're having this conversation, we might as well say that there was somebody else originally mm. as part of the team who mm. it didn't work out. Didn't work out. Yeah, I'm not sure how much it's it's appropriate to share that stuff, but um, yeah, it's fair to say that there have been some issues mm. in the team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but maybe we shouldn't go down that road. But oh no, I just thought to mention it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does anyone we, have any we issues? We certainly now? have some. We're still yet to have our meeting proper, mm. right? Mm. To yeah. talk about the future and where things are going. I started using roll-on organic deodorant once we started doing the show, especially in the hot months, because <laughs> I thought, you know, that that's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I, and we love you for that. Yeah, nice. It's, really appreciate it's it. It's kind of a rose water scent. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not smelling rose water, by the way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Yes, and Triple R is where you are. Greening the Apocalypse is the show, and it's the final edition for 2017. And uh, we decided, well, she had, had a, a thing came up the other week um, about communicating and team goals and, and that sort of stuff. And we got to thinking that one of the many battles that we face going forward in a world of resource depletion and economic instability and political upheaval and so forth is that it seems as though our ability to communicate and talk and organise as a smart, cohesive group is somewhat dead because we don't believe that our ability is quite so dead as many others. Like, just go down a comments thread on the internet sometime. Look at how fucked some people are in their ability to speak to friends and strangers. Mm. It's brutal. Uh, where did we get up to before that first interlude? Well, I think there's more to explore in terms of what we personally have experienced in meetings that we find and in group organisation in general that mm. we find makes them effective and enjoyable to be a part of. Indeed. I think we'd go to Jed. Jed, you're a little older than <laughs> most of all of us. You've it's also got a background in yeah, military it, and in, as a CEO and in board and so forth. Yeah, both of which are very, very structured communication. So mm. in the military, I remember we used to use an acronym called SMEAC for giving um, briefs. Mm-hmm. So SMEAC was situation... Where, where we are, what we're doing, mission, what do, what do we want to achieve, execution, how we're going to do it, action, so when it all turns to shit, this is what we'll do, mm-hmm. and comms, communication, so yeah. we'll use whatever channels on our radios or, you know, whatever. Is that a similar structure? If you were to look at that, is that a similar structure to what you see in directors' meetings and board meetings in a corporate um, probably not quite the same, but you, you generally you'll have a very structured agenda, and it's not unusual to see we'll do ten minutes on that or five minutes or so. You're creating an expectation before people get to the meeting that you're going to have a short time, a longer time, or a medium amount of time to discuss whatever the topic is, mm-hmm. and you're expected in those meetings to have the discipline around that. So, if you're going to say something, make it good. And make it short because there's not a lot of time, and um, and also the discipline to, uh, particularly at, at a high level, to look at strategy and not the operation. Mm. Can you so, explain that better? Like, what does that mean? Well, you, you typically, if you're sitting on a board, you've employed someone to run the organisation. 
a CEO or a general manager or someone like that. So you're setting the strategy for the organisation, so where it wants to be in three, five, mm-hmm. ten, twenty maybe years, but um, certainly next three years. And so you're looking at do the goals that you're setting for that person to run it match where you want to get to and will that achieve the outcome? You're also looking at the risks involved and a whole pile of other options and you're looking at the results they're getting Mm. to see how they're going towards that goal. What you don't want to get down into is uh, how they're doing it, you know. So we were talking about this Mm. before, you know. Ford might have had goals that they're going to build 120 A-model Fords a year. Mm. They don't want to know whether the door's going on with, you know, hex head screws or you know, something else, they just want to know that we've got to do 120 a year, that's 10 a month. How many have we done this month? Yeah. That sort of stuff. I think think that's probably true for whether it's a hierarchical organisation or a more grassrootsy one. As long as it it might be that, you know, if you're, I don't know, say a community garden, but there's a compost team and there's a promotions team and it's like you don't... All you need to know is they're doing their job mm. so, and break up, break up tasks. How does, yeah. that, how does that respond? So you work in urban planning, Katie, which lots and lots of stakeholders, both you know, employed directly but also like you, people are going to utilise the end goal, the end outcome. But you've also got timeframes that are probably quite long. You, you know, you're looking at developing a suburb which will then be lived on indefinitely. How does this go with you? Oh, mm. with me. High stakes. Uh, yeah, it's high stakes and also um, what Jed was mentioning. We've got to think about the strategy. So the intention of how to build a piece of the city, mm. how to embed sustainability principles in it, how people are going to move around, how they're going to live, um, what type of housing it's going to be, where the green space is going to be, all of that strategic intent stuff. But we often have to get right into the detail to understand how it will be delivered and um, technical things around buildings and technical mm. things around shadows and mm. movement. Right, that's, so that's quite different in many ways because you actually do need to get right down into that operational aspect. We do to understand, aspect. to make sure the strategy is right. Mm. But when it comes to communicating and meeting, the, it's very different depending on who you're talking to. So when we're going to the community, we communicate in a different way. Um, and if we're going to talk to council or if we're going to talk to state government, for example. So it's just tailoring the message and the intent of what you're talking about, depending on who the audience is. Because yeah, you've got, suddenly got to let thousands of people have some input mm. and feel like they've had some real input. And some meaningful input. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's no point in going to talk to people just for the sake of it. They have to understand, you have to be very clear about what the opportunity for input for inputting into that conversation are. Mm. Mm. Sarah Carls, have you have you done much like community work kind of thing in groups? Um, no, because usually I hate group dynamics. Yeah. Right once you, once you <laughs> joked about you wanted to start an unintentional community yeah. or something for Steppenwolves. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think my favourite quote is probably Sartre. Hell is other people. <laughs> That's my governing principle. I'm trying to move out of it and See, grow, but yeah. I, I just. Oh, but, but that's just interesting because you're very good at communications. I mean, it's I what would, you sort of do for a living, isn't it? Um, I think my partner would argue <laughs> with you on that one. <laughs> Maybe no, but, in a business, not in, actually. No, no but that's what, not even what true. You, what you do in terms of you know writing stuff and mm. you know, it's very good. Yes, thank you, Jed. Maybe, though, in my personal life, I'm not very good at it. I think I struggle to say what I want, so I'm either passive or aggressive. I find it hard to strike the middle ground. 
Yeah. <laughs> so usually if I'm in a group, I figure out a way to get out of it. So I had a major project in a radio thing at the end of a degree, group of four, and I just begged the tutor to let me do an entire project by myself. <laughs> yeah. Just to get away from the group. Yeah, right. Because I um, also, because introverts in a group, what Jed was saying, it mm. just, ah, oh, just think it's... Overrode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Do you enjoy it? So I've had a very checkered past with meetings. I used to find, and working in groups, I used to find it really really anxiety-inducing. And part of it, I think, was working in a group where we didn't have that clearly defined roles and, yeah, just all this uncertainty about what we were trying to achieve and so many assumptions about what views and, and beliefs people had, which actually turned out to be quite wrong. Hmm. Yeah, and I, it's the most extreme thing that's happened to me was I was trying to take a group that didn't have those goals. It was really a networking group and turn it into an organisation group and give it some goals. And so that was controversial because people weren't all there for the same reason. And so I got a facilitator in for one meeting and there was tensions there that were relating to Oh, is this thing that I'm suggesting a little bit middle class and, and twee? And arguably it was. But I was saying, no, that's just a veneer to get some radical stuff underneath. And the people that wanted big anarchist flags on the front of it um, were not having a bar of that. And one of them said in the middle of the meeting, look, I feel like, not to me, but I feel like killing you right now to one of the other people. And the facilitator threw his hands up and said, look, I'm out of my league here. Oh. Yeah, so that was the worst I've had. But then I've had... I, uh, you know, over the years got better and better at working in organisations where we can have a mixture of sticking to an agenda um, but having a jovial kind of time of it because we know we're heading in the same direction. We've got clear goals. Mm. There was a case uh, two weeks ago where um, working with somebody who in many ways reminds me of you, Bushy, who's very tangential and one of the people I love in the, in the world the most um, alongside you because yeah. it's those very characteristics that I love in friends. Yeah. Um, but uh, working together, forming a new business, we used to work together but we're starting a new one and Dan, my other business partner, who like me is very much more process-driven, there was a situation in front of a client where... Uh, Nath, hey, I'll use names. They're cool with it. Um, I checked in. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he went really off topic and, and there was this sort of pre-structured thing that we were taking them through and it all got over, overridden and Dan got so angry, he's, afterwards he was like, Nath, we have to have a talk so I don't punch you. Yeah, right. And Jeez. It, it, it never would have happened and there was a lot of love there but that was the emotions and they were mm. both feeling it. Nath was feeling disrespect. They both were. There was a lot of emotion. And so we had a meeting two weeks ago where we just discussed all this stuff. This, mm. this is a situation. These are our personality dynamics. And it was so fucking adult and it was so beautiful um, just to be able to have this with... There, there's, yeah. It takes and, a while to get there, it though, doesn't it? And, yeah, by the end of that, we were, we were buzzing. We were like... We can get through anything if we can talk about this. Mm. So, Adam, you keep mentioning your friends who you love personality-wise that go off on tangents, yeah. but you don't necessarily love working with them. So yeah. tell us about working with Bushy. Are you enjoying it? <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is probably the core topic for our meeting and to talk about you know, how, how we 
get through it. You guys, you you guys feeling up for it? Can we do this? Yeah, yeah, Live we can. I, I think, think we know each other well enough. I'll just throw right. some, a, a little oddity in though, because I've been listening to a lot of the Joe Rogan podcasts lately, and um, they got onto this topic the other day, and they were talking about how people communicate with each other on on chat rooms and on comment threads and stuff in a way that they would never actually do it. And they start talking about road rage and how people cut each other off and they shake their fists and they swear and they carry on and all this sort of stuff and it's, it's just fucked up, you know. And, and, and the thing is, those people are never actually going to get out of the car and harm one another for the most part. But then Joe Rogan told this story of a friend of his who's an MMA fighter, like jiu-jitsu, like martial artist, and him and this other driver had this big stoush and this big argument and they both stopped and they both got out and they both started the fight, and they both knew how to fight. They were both technically like really good martial artists, as it turned out. And these guys had this massive dust up in the grass off the side of a road in the United States. And at the end of it all, they're like, ah, whew, ah, yeah. They gave each other a high five, and they got in their cars, and they took off. This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Listen up. Whoever holds the conch gets to speak. That's the rule. Is this like assembly, sir? Yeah. Except anybody who wants to speak gets to. But not before they get the conch. Right. There doesn't seem to be anybody here except us. And a pig. It was a wild boar. No, it was a regular pig. Big, but regular. If it was a regular pig, then it must have got here from people. Yeah, if there's pigs, there's people. (laughs) Okay, cadets. Like I said, this island's probably uninhabited. But we don't know. We've got to explore more. Right, there's a lot of things we got to do. But the main thing is, we're not by ourselves. We got Captain Benson. Can I speak? The most important thing is, who knows we're here? Nobody knows we're here. They know where we were going, but they don't know where we are because we never got where we were going. Where were we going? (laughs) Where were we going, Cole? That was from Lord of the Flies. Uh, It was a book from the 50s and it was about a bunch of kids who end up having a self-governing society and it starts out well. Like they have the conch to take turns speaking and it just turns into murder. By Mm. the end it's this... Mm. It's like a thing about the the theme of it is the will to power, mm. and that, yeah, that's why I hate groups. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, hopefully that won't happen in the studio. But when you start thinking of the apocalypse mm. and where the you know, the inevitable end of that is, you, you could quite easily end up in exactly that scenario. Yeah. You know, the, all the communications break down. Mm. People take to their uh, axes, shotguns, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, although we did have Daryl Taylor on the show talking about the self-driven community after Black Saturday that was really fascinating yeah. and how people really organised effectively in mm. very traumatic circumstances in King Lake. Yeah. I was uh, just going to say, like, that, the whole the conch thing, uh, Jed was talking about the, the great discipline that occurs in, in board meetings and in, within military practices, and Kate, you were sort of alluding to a similar thing, although slightly different structure and outcome goals. And I remember having this moment, I, I went to Confest a few New Year's Eves in a row like, back in the day when I had the, the big dreads and the Thai fishing pants. It was an ugly phase. And um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I remember sitting, it was stinking hot and everything had sort of started to collapse because it was just so hot. No one was picking up rubbish. No one wanted to do anything. It was irrepressibly hot. So repressively hot. 
And um, I went and saw this meeting because the, the head honchos running the festival had this big powwow in the centre square near all their stalls and stuff where they were selling us samosas and, like, rainbow wool from Nepal. And... Um, and this thing was just falling apart before our very eyes because everybody wanted to talk about what they were going to, you know, why it wasn't working, but they kept doing it without holding the talking stick. And so someone would go, yeah, but rah, 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 and the guy would go, you're not holding the talking stick. And I walked away from that. I was like, fuck, that's why ExxonMobil is winning. That is why the Koch brothers are winning mm. because they're not sitting around scratching their asses talking about who's yeah, got yeah. the talking stick, you know. Very true. Well, pros and cons to the top-down versus, mm. yeah. Distributed models, indeed. But we're very we're reasonably flat here. I guess you know the the show initially was given to you and me, Bushy, but we've become um, you know an much, autonomous collective. Yeah, much more that kind of model. So we're gonna, we're going to have a meeting live on air, and there's there's two things we have on the agenda: just talking about our different styles of work and how they play out in the show, and are there things that we can do to make it work for all of us, mm. and then and then just talk about some plans for the year. Indeed. So we're being quite self-indulgent listeners. This is because we don't get uh, all five of us together that often and mm. we haven't had a proper meeting since September last year to really uh, think about the future of the show and talk about the dynamics. So I don't know, should I just introduce my take on, on this issue and then mm-hmm. you guys can have a chance to throw in. And I think as a general rule, one thing I've found works and I've learnt this from doing permaculture design, but spending a fair bit of time uh, assessing a situation before coming up with solutions and just absorbing it seems to be a a pretty good strategy. So um, we've talked about some of the dynamics that uh, I think are one of the core things. And the reason why I think this is a good thing on the agenda too because a lot of people might relate to these kind of things, so different people's working styles. And in some way I feel a slight cultural difference between yourself Kate and you Bushy mm. and Sarah and myself and you might disagree with this and there are you know a lot of different variables in there but just in terms of this one that in terms of show prep Sarah and I and I, I think I do this because I'm not as good a conversationalist as you guys are but I like to do a lot of research and sometimes even though I like deviating from a plan but coming up with a pretty clear plan and sometimes I worry that that can make it constrained for you guys who are more uh you know you I often think come into your own when you when there's a bit of a plan but not that much so -hmm. that you can just bounce around and I, I actually think um hearing you do interviews Kate when it's just you on your own and you've got a the panel one you did, what was that with some architects? Yeah, it was like, fuck, you're just nailing it. Mm. Um, and likewise, Bushy, hearing you do the really conversation-based breakfast show, it's mm. like, wow, you're, you know, and, and the current breakfasters are awesome, but mm. you're killing it. <laughs> so, so I feel that, you know, there's a tension that I sometimes feel like, oh, well, putting too much of a structure there makes it difficult for you guys to shine. But also when, I, when I've put a lot of effort in, and I think maybe you feel this sometimes too, Sarah, that... Uh, you go to all this effort and you've got this idea for um, a, narrative a kind of narrative line. structure mm. and then, you know, your irrepressible uh, inquisitiveness 
might jump in and take it sideways. I yep. have to say, I have noticed that, Adam, when I've jumped in with a question and been uh, greeted with a look. My yeah. oh, I shouldn't have asked that like, question. Later. But I, com- I, actually, I completely agree with your analysis of uh, yeah. research versus going with the flow. Um, I find I, I enjoy it much more. Um, on this show when it's when there's not so much of a structure yeah and but I also enjoy being part of a show that you've prepared for a lot but I feel like I have a different role in that I think which might be to clarify mm. things when you go into too much detail or um, bring it back a little bit you know yeah back cool. from the technical depths yes yes and so that can be like uh, I think the best shows that um, I'm involved with are the ones where there's it's there is that like I've got this idea and then <clears throat> um, but it, it gets a little bit too down the nerd wormhole and then people bring it back with personal mm. anecdotes or just humour and things mm. that yeah, which I don't do effectively on my own. And also, and Jaded, you've often said you, because you know you've said you often put your hand up to ask a question, so um, that you're you know you're less familiar with some of the topics from time to time. So that's also a role within that team dynamic. Yeah, probably I try and take that um, dumb question, you know, that maybe people who haven't done all the research are going mm. to ask, and because mm. sometimes some of the stuff we talk about begs an obvious question that isn't obvious because you guys have done all the research. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting, this group's interesting for me because um, typically I'm a leader in a group and I'm not in this group, so mm. my role in this group is just to do what I'm told, and, and I like I quite enjoy that because it's almost like an escape for me. Yeah, nice. You know, so I just come here and I push the buttons, you know, at the appropriate times. And, yeah. Do you get frustrated um, by that a little bit, though? Uh, occasionally, but not often. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel comfortable enough that if I you know, really want to have some input, I can most of the mm. time, unless mm. we've got too many people and then I'm aware that, you know, too many voices is too many voices. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm always impressed, incidentally, just how closely you're always listening which i often occasionally even on air find myself drifting off thinking about the next thing or tangent yeah (laughs) that's another thing i find about preparing too much you're not listening or i i don't listen to the answer yeah and respond to the answer as much as i'm thinking about asking the next question yeah i appreciate that flow you know the predetermined flow which might not actually be right for the conversation you end up having yeah yeah well, remember we was year one, year two. We interviewed Nicole Foss, and we had this. We we were very careful to get a narrative put together. Like we had sort of this flow that we wanted to question her about economic bubbles and and speculative finance and all that sort of stuff. And interestingly, I was watching. She just started to go boom, and she started to speak with yeah. this amazing sequence of effectively not sound bites, but really well detailed uh, responses to the questions that I was watching go down our page that we hadn't even asked. Yeah. But, like, somehow the narrative that we'd started to assemble to ask her about. And so that that was... I actually went into a complete panic then because I thought, fuck, we're going to run out of stuff to ask her because she's knocking it all over really well and really concisely. Mm-hmm. So I would say, um, yeah, probably similar to you, Kate, the over the, the planning and um, over-preparation, I don't see it as over-planning necessarily, but... Um, I kind of also, uh, I would hope that in a situation where you guys are very familiar with the topic uh, and I'm less familiar, there, there might only be so far that my ability to riff can go. And so that's when I start to shit myself going, well, <laughs> you know, 
if I just go off mic now and go and sit on the other side of the room, does that even is that even a role to play? You know, but but I also to respond to your thing, Adam. I don't feel in any way that my position in this is team is ever um, belittled or, or compromised by being asked to follow a narrative line because my one of the things that's been really good meeting you and getting meeting all you guys and putting this show together is it's the first time in a long time that I've um, had to work in a team with this kind of dynamic in it you know where it is an egalitarian team I've, I've worked as a foreman for another business and I've worked for myself as a, as a lone gun for hire where I was the boss occasionally and so to actually check that ego and check my arrogance at the door and to set all that cockiness and, and bullshit aside that I'm happily willing to own as my personality type mm. has been really good. And I feel, and Sam might agree with this, if you're listening, babe, you might not, but um, I feel as though I've been able to take that into other relationships in life where I would otherwise be too arrogant to listen to criticism or unwilling to budge on a position only to come to that place now that if you just go take a breath, hear what's being said, accept it, process it it actually makes for a better existence like you know to to be willingly you know people talk a lot now about safe spaces and i think i think safe spaces are equally good so are unsafe spaces you learn a lot when you kind of <laughs> got on the chopping block a bit but uh to be in a room you know and to be a, and to be you know put on like that i think it's been good well yeah. I, I do think you have a beautiful humility so i'm not didn't always right colsey your thoughts um one of my criticisms of our show, and I haven't really brought it up before, but I think that we are a bit middle class. We have a few blind spots mm. that tend to infect the kind of green middle class. So I felt, I think sometimes we accidentally offend people and I think it would be good moving forward if we tried to work on that a little bit. Mm. Can, what, can you I'd give like... an example? Uh, well, I didn't hear the show, but... The show when you were talking about parenthood and that you'd need a, you needed to be literate to have a child. Yeah. You, I, I assume you were joking when you said it, but there we were, were people pe- listening that mm. were offended by that. Mm. Um, I don't know if I did say that. No, we were, we were questioning. Questioning what do you I'm need not, to be a parent. Yeah. yeah. And provoking, because I, I think that we're too safe as well. I think we should be provoking questions that people don't agree with yeah uh, that, i mean that wasn't an opinion we we're putting forward it was a question okay well the, okay mm. then well, i think we should balance it then with some other questions mm. in the future mm. yeah definitely well, well i mean that's okay so that's an interesting thing to bring up because um on the one hand we you know we, we certainly wouldn't want people switching off out of complete offense to what we're doing and at this other t- side if we played it too safe why would we do it at all so yeah, I mean, do you want to open that up just a little further? Well, it's a whole other topic of conversation. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but a, a good pro- one to have at the pub afterwards. This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Can we draw our meeting to a close with uh, actions, please? Indeed. What are our actions? Well, I think it requires a bit of discussion about strategies for dealing with these dynamics. And we've had a bit of a chat in the past about... Uh, you know, a, a kind of language for the different types of shows. So there's the... Um, the <laughs> we had a bit of a chat with Fidler's people in conversations and mm. so we'll, we'll do a Fidler. You know, it's when, when they do heaps of research, set a narrative, s- stick to it fairly strictly and thoughtfully mm-hmm. and then there's the panel discussion shows where it's like, well, there's a few dot points, all in. Mm. Kind of like tonight. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and I think that's useful. But, you know, we need to continue this conversation. Um, Can we have, we need to, um, I think one action needs to be to have more regular meetings. Yeah, indeed. Totally into that. I think another good thing, and Jed spoke, you guys spoke very early on in this chat about um, assumptions of what people are thinking and how people communicate. And perhaps that's a really good, you know, with those veg classes, Adam, I've done those before, very edible gardens, um, where you kind of go around at the start and introduce each other. That's possibly a worthwhile thing to do and you've got a group that's got a dynamic to very early on get people to say, here's how I like to communicate and be mm. spoken to. Yeah. Okay, because that, that clears the decks, yeah. doesn't it? For sure. And that can be the difference between a punch in the face and a big <laughs> hug. Indeedy. Hey, and speaking of like organisations that organise themselves pretty well mm. and have a really good culture fucking triple r the oh, vibes yeah. around here are actually mm. really good so and Bless. um yeah I, I don't know what it's like from the inside but the perspective just as the casual observer it seems like you guys you know that's it's it's good vibes and it's not you know coming here as an outsider i thought oh maybe full of pretentious <laughs> you know cool people um, <laughs> but they're but, not cool at all no, yeah they're not, not. <laughs> no, i'm a huge dork <laughs> This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.